Hey guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Cozy Jewelers. We've been talking about it for months now, located in the heart of Newtown Square. Cozy Jewelers is the place to go if you're looking for that special something, for that special someone this holiday season. Black Friday has come and gone, which means the big sales come and gone, but there's still plenty of opportunity. Great selection at Cozy Jewelers. Uh, they are certified Movado watch dealer. Uh, they have 49 on Google reviews of 5.0 on Yelp. We've heard from readers who've used them in the past. We have nothing but good things to say about them and the way they were treated there, which, quite frankly, is half the battle uh, when you're dealing with jewelry. There's still plenty of time to get your Christmas gifts. Uh, right now, if you go in and you're in the market for you know, maybe popping the question this holiday season uh, and you have the an idea for a one-of-a-kind engagement ring, uh, maybe something in your head, maybe something that, more importantly, your significant other has mentioned to you, um, Cozy can make it happen. They can magnify any idea for custom jewelry that you may have, and they'll bring it to life. And now through December 24th, if you buy a ladies diamond engagement ring, you will get a men's cobalt wedding band for free. Take it from me, that that added benefit of getting the men's band is huge. So um, if you are think even thinking about popping the question, go in there, even if it's not this holiday season that you're thinking about doing it, just go in there now. Talk to those guys. They will walk you through the process. They'll tell you how they source their diamonds. They'll walk you through the four C's, everything you need to know. It could be... Um, it could be a confusing process, definitely an intimidating process. The guys at Cozy will treat you right. Look Again, located in the heart of Newtown Square in the Edgemont Shopping Center. Uh, super accessible. We've heard nothing but great things. And they are friends, friends, fans of the show and the site. They are also sponsoring Anthony's Flyers content on the website. So um, go check them out. It's Cozy Jewelers, C-O-Z-Z-I Jewelers.com. Tell them we sent you uh, and our thanks to them for sponsoring the site and the podcast. Let's get on with the show. So, Russ, how's your household taking the Matt Lauer news? Oh, Russ, how's it going? Nobody really cares. <laughs> really? No, we we're not we're not big NBC people. Um, You're so, let me guess. The only CW. No, who watches <laughs> CW? I don't know. I figured no. people from Allentown or Coal Country, wherever you're from. You have such a bad perception. Like you have such, you have no directional awareness when it comes to the state of Pennsylvania. <laughs> to at me, the, like Allentown and Colchester, just in that way. At this Saturday's holiday party, which people should still pick up tickets for, uh, I will pull up a map of Pennsylvania. We will sit down and discuss county lines. Ooh, um, riveting. I know. Yeah. Uh, Adam, you going to be there? Uh, this Saturday? Uh, uh, no. No, I'm going to be at the nope. Jay Z concert. What? I have fourth row. Who wants to go see Jay Z? No, the thing oh, is, when we mentioned this to Adam, raise their hands. When we mentioned this to Adam two weeks ago, he said, oh yeah, I'll think about it. Pro I'm assuming if he has fourth row Jay Z tickets, that he had them then and just completely neglected to either realize it or just completely was like, yeah, like, maybe, yeah, maybe. I'm not he has. good at plans. This is I'm not like, either. Actually, this has been a thing of my life. By this the way, is why Kyle, Hanukkah is a good thing for you because you have eight days to try to get it right. Just to fi figure it out. Yep. Uh, Kyle, so to your question about Matt Lauer, we had a thing at work about two weeks ago where we were saying which guys would surprise you the most if they ended up being a, a sick, sexual predator, disgusting person in the news. And I actually said Matt Lauer. I predicted would, Matt Lauer. Predicted or would surprise you? It would not surprise me. Yeah, right. Okay. Like I was, was like, that guy's a power hungry creep. It would yeah. not surprise me. 
You gotta. He, I don't know if that, you, my uh, wife's been getting credit for nailing it on the first try the other day. She did uh, not know. She did not know until that. So it was. You know what? Yeah. The only thing that's upsetting to me. The only thing I really remember about Matt Lauer, like the first time I had seen him, was my fifth grade class. Our teacher would do that. Where in the world is Matt Lauer thing? And I don't know. I think that was supposed to like bring in geography Inside or culture you. or something. That's disgusting. I was, in fifth, I was in fifth grade. I've been I've been using Kyle. that joke to everybody that's, everybody over the last two days. No one finds just, it not creepy. That's totally creepy. <laughs> you also have to make the sound of the the clicking of the the locking of the door. He's like he sounded almost uh, like a, a a maniacal Bond yes. villain. I mean, it's some I of the details that this. came out are just disgusting. I will say this: like Nick Saban and a lot of people have that automatic door lock, and apparently a lot of people at NBC do as well. So I yeah, think that part of it is getting yeah, I think unfairly glossed. He sounds like the Claw with like "Welcome to the Lair," but you know, if he was actively using that function for that reason, that's serious. So yeah, I I don't. I'm still stunned. Adam, as stunned as I was when I saw that tweet the other day, I'm still stunned. Like, as someone who, like, is such a geek about media stuff, he is the... I've racked my brain for two days now. No one was bigger than Lauer. What? Currently. In the media... Give me a... No, not even close. Give me... Give me a name in the media, Russ, who, who uh, on air, not like an executive or anything, but like an actual personality who is bigger than Matt Lauer. You're not going to come up with one. Yeah, I can only go on the sports side. Yeah, I, I and, said like and, Costas. Yeah, but, Costas but, he, was, but he's not. Costas, but Costas like, was high up. All right, so Costas I, is big in sports, but like you know, Lauer d- destroys him when it comes to Lauer is not the actual bigger world. Than any of the late night hosts, he's not bigger than Kimmel, Fallon, or even James Corden. I don't. Oh, think. totally wrong. Totally wrong. In terms yeah. of what, like, how are you defining bigger? About Q because rating. If, if, if Q, yeah, but Q rating doesn't define your bigness. He makes more money. He's worth more to his network. He's he interviews. I mean, every from the biggest celebrities to presidents. Oh, like, nice. no, he's but not, he's not bigger than Sean Hannity. He's stop it. Than, he's not, dude. He he was. Are you insane? Sean Hannity is like I a would... fringe carnival barker at this point. Sean Hannity is not bigger than Matt Lauer. Like you could talk about Anderson Q rating and what people like them. Anderson, Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper. Anderson Take that. Cooper. Anderson Look at those Cooper. Eyes. Those stop. eyes are a national treasure. Stop. So first of all, Anderson Cooper with his 9 p.m. CNN show is not bigger than the host of the Today Show. Second of all, Anderson Cooper, I have a feeling, might be in line for that job. Regis Philbin. Uh, yeah. No. Well, but I mean, back in the day, like there were Jeff more. Skierski. Fire emoji, fire emoji, I'm not giving you emoji. any of the late night Stock guys. photo, stock photo. I'm going to start I mean, looking up. Uh, like Fallon. Fallon is not like, like you can argue the Fallon and Lauer were, mm. are the two most important guys to NBC. But I mean, in terms of like media figure, like he was the most important person to his network by far. I mean, he was huge. He was, he's an institution. Um, I'm still he's stunned. He's Not about him, just guy. stunned that they fired him like that. It must be so bad. You know, there must I would be have so said, many bad things. I would have said Bill O'Reilly when he, he was, was up when there. He was on air. Yeah, I mean, and Lauer just grilled him was. two weeks ago. You loved ago. him or hated him, whatever. Yeah, but everyone, but for everyone who knew who Bill O'Reilly was, that many more people knew who, like, no one does not know who Matt Lauer is. Like, it's, you know, there are people out there who were like, who's know. Sean like, Hannity? Guarantee you, not, but. If you're not an NBC family, if you don't watch the Today Show, like yeah, I dude. don't, you don't. I think it, I think you're a little bit farther yeah, into this because I, I, you no, like no, that show. Ho, like I think I fall, 
I think you're I think you're off base on this. No, no. Here's the thing. Even if you didn't watch the Today Show, you know who Matt Lauer is because he's been around for for 25 years. Like he's anchored Olympics. some he's Olympic interviewed coverage. presidents. He's moderated debates. Like he's not just the host of the Anderson Today Show. Cooper's moderated debates. Yeah, so no, totally. Out. Anderson Cooper's time big. Out, time out. So Lauer was making twenty. Twenty-five. O- O'Reilly 25. made thirty-seven. Boom. Sean Hannity made thirty-six, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> time out. Time out. Lauer was in the twenties. Robin Roberts is 18. Like Robin Roberts. And Megyn Kelly is 15 to 20. So Lauer was. So now that Lauer's out, Robin Roberts and Megyn Kelly have been bumped up. And the crazy Fox guys are in the 30s. Sure, but just comparing well, salaries would be I, like doing so know, in the NBA. I'm literally you know? going through your argument. I started with salaries. So you're not right there. But there's more. And you are right. He is the family face of a network for the better part of multiple decades. I agree. And what I were mean, you guys talking about before this? This, this, this is it. Adam. This, this is this. This is, this is our, our start. God, so I, two things. Two I last things. I, there was a top of the morning book a few years ago. The reason it's so stunning. Brian Stelter, who's now become somewhat famous on CNN. I met him a few months ago. Really? What yeah, was he like? Tur- I like him. Turner was having this like podcast upfront thing uh, and i can't wanted... believe they're doing upfronts for podcasts it seems so oh, dude, odd. it was packed and it was like yeah. all these advertising people and they were like all right so we want a photo listen to this they're like we want a photo of brian stelter this other host from cnn blah 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 and then adam lefko from the sims <laughs> lefko podcast and i was like guys like i'm not trying to be whatever but like this is like different level shit and Brian Seltzer is like, it's got, just come on in. It'll be fine. He was super nice. He really was. He just, I never know if when people go in expecting people to know who they are, but a lot of people knew who he was, so I got it. But I don't know. They're like, he was like, never mind. I'm not going to talk shit. He was great. He was actually a nice guy. He knew you knew who he was. No, he expected other people to know who he was. But uh-huh. I would too, if my, you know, because he's big time now. Yeah. Well, so anyway, he, yeah, I like him. Uh, he wrote a book a couple years ago called Top of the Morning, all about the morning show feud. A lot of it centered around uh, all four of the shows, including the cable shows, like just the, the battle for turf in the mornings because yeah. it's such valuable. Like, this is why Com- everyone, when Comcast came out with Breakfast on Broad, like the morning is so profitable because it's, it's, you know, it's not that expensive to produce. You know, they could put a lot of fluff on there, but advertisers love it because it's one of the few live things. Like that can still cause people to turn in. Like sports and award shows are notable now because they're kind of destination viewing on TV, and morning shows are kind of like that as well. So that's why everyone has like some version of a morning show. But it was all about that battle, and a lot of it centered on the Matt Lauer and Curry stuff. And like he told a story in there, like Lauer was so shockingly aware of his whatever and so conniving in the background. But there was a story where they were doing pictures for an article Stelter was working on. And it was like a cooking segment, and they were off air, and Lauer picked up the knife, and the photographer went to take a photo. And Lauer was like, no, 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 no. You're not getting a photo of me holding a knife because I just I know how that gets framed in the media. Like he's so, so crazily aware of like his perception and what people thought of him. But like he meant so much to NBC and they were willing to put up with so much and the whole Ann Curry thing, like because he was so valuable to him. So that's why the other day when it was like he's just fired without any sort of like terminated back, without any sort of. 
you, you know, reports prior to that, you know, other than like just rumors of him being a dick and stuff. That was that was crazy because like everyone else in this O'Reilly, Charlie Rose, you know, the Hollywood guys, they get suspended first. It leaks out and then they have to act And NBC. Like they must have some like such oh, yeah, the new, no, the new clear Times, proof that he was a dirtbag. Times bag. had uh, an article coming out with like quotes from the victims. That's the reason that these guys are getting fired right away is because there's legitimate investigations already ongoing and yeah. all this information is just being plopped on the desk. Um, the NBC's got some real issues that have come up with this stuff though. They the, sure uh, do. I'm trying to think who was who was the major exposé about that um, that NBC had and they squashed. It's Char Harvey Weinstein. That that got the oh, whole yeah, ball right, rolling. Yeah, you're right. That that was it. And and like this Lauer thing, you know, the more women that come out that say that they had gone to NBC previously and they were essentially hushed or brushed aside, like there, say what you want, but like there is clearly a uh, a loss of institutional control of sorts. Like they they have a systemic issue at NBC with this stuff. The, no, the, I'll tell you what, America has a systemic issue of men doing this shit. The, it's just the crazy. Everywhere. The crazy thing about the NBC thing is, for, first it was the the Trump tape. So Billy Bush was like briefly a co-host on the Today Show, and between the Lochte thing last summer that he kind of bungled because he was buddy buddy with Lochte, and then a few months later that he was on the tape with Trump, there was multiple stories. Of time like the Today hosts were upset because they didn't think he was like worthy of the show, and and you know the whole thing with Trump made them look bad and like they NBC and the people involved today show are like we don't want this guy he's like a creep he's not that good at his job all that well you know it's ironic now that a year later that it's you know like Lauer was way worse than anything Bill you know that we know that Billy Bush ever did but they you know they had that they had the Trump thing they sat on another network had a report it. they had the Harvey Weinstein thing they turned down and whoever had um, come up with the report kind of like on a freelance basis took it elsewhere and then I think Lauer was kind of a victim of like they can't look like they were sleeping on something again but it sounds like it's terrible I've spent two last things I've spent a good 40 hours or no yesterday so like 24 22 20 hours I'm not good at math uh, digesting these photos of Lauer in the Hamptons, meeting some guy in a suit who I'm guessing is a lawyer, roadside and handing him an envelope. Have you guys seen these pictures? Yeah, I don't really care. Uh, yeah, what is it? What's in the envelope? Like this is so weird. Here's I don't my know theory. If cares. It's no, dude. I don't he's care. he's meeting a guy who looks like Saul, who's in a BMW. He's wearing sunglasses on the side of a road. Handing him an envelope. My theory, it's the written names of people that Lauer fears might still come forward, and he wants that guy to contact them about reaching a settlement. Like, who do you, why do you meet someone roadside in plain view? It's crazy. Second thing. Um, why is there a second thing? Why? Because this is, this is so crazy. Kyle, All right, go ahead. I don't think any, I, I think. I think, I think people enough. care. Lauer's an institution. I don't institution. think they do. I, I, want right. people, uh, I, I, I keep, already see the tweets coming. I, yeah, I, I I'm excited. For oh, I got a ton of traction can I, on this. Can I just ton say of really quickly, before, before we switch to actual sports, this is a transition. of uh, like it's it'll, it'll bridge the gap a little. Adam, you live in this world a little bit more. The Malcolm Jenkins stuff, the fact yeah. that people are leaving the Players Coalition, I don't, I don't totally get it. Uh, do you 
Did you and Sims talk about it at all? So uh, the story that came out yesterday, Eric Reed went to slate safety for the San Francisco 49ers and said two things mainly. One, that the NFL is trying to, in essence, pay the players to stop protesting, which I don't know why that comes as a shock to people. That was sort of the comment that were made a few weeks ago with this whole thing. And that the the reason that a lot of players have just left is because they have discovered that the NFL is not trying to add 80 to 90 millions more to pay for charities and actual functions to aid players in things they want to support. They want to take money out of the salute to service and the wearing pink for breast cancer. They want to take money out of that and shift it to the causes the players want to support. And a lot of the players are going, no, no, no. We don't want to take money from those causes. We want you to give us new money. We don't want to be these assholes that take money away from, uh, you know, soldiers and breast cancer uh, victims. We want new money. And so that's what they're saying. Now, Jenkins really hasn't come out and said uh, whether, like, what's going on. But it does, It the article did paint Jenkins in a light in which he's like, let's just get this done. Um or that it's not supporting of all the players. That's where we are. Um, this is the problem when you try and be a guy that is fighting for change, as Jenkins is right now, is that he has to deal with all of it, you know? But I feel like Jenkins is a realist, which helps in this regard. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you saw Darren Ravel's tweet that he is actually a Papa John's franchise owner, which kind of seems odd at this moment. Um, but I feel like he's a realist, like with the whole protest thing, you know, there were some guys who were just like, Hey, no, we're not doing this. This is our right. And he was like, from the beginning, aware of the fact that yes, to some people, the anthem has meaning. I'm not protesting the anthem. So I'm going to, you know, kind of do a half measure here. So I can acknowledge the fact that I get there's people who don't like it when they're, you know, when their star players are kneeling for a song that means a lot to them. And then in this regard, like, if I'm understanding you correctly, he's on the side of, look, whatever it takes to get this money, you know, yes, it's going to maybe sounds like, yeah. divert stuff from other areas. But that's the reality. I mean, that's what happens when you're when you're, you know, choosing to give money or donate money, especially in like a philanthropical endeavor. You know, there's a certain part of the quote unquote budget or whatever it is that's going to go to that stuff. And someone has to pick. The winners and losers like, you know, it's the same thing like, hey, which charity do you want to support with your raffle ticket? And there's a list of 20 like you're going to pick one and 19 others aren't going to get anything. And that's fine. So like, I think he's acknowledging the fact that like, look, a lot of the, the pink and the, the military stuff. I don't know exactly what the NFL donates and such, but a lot of what you see on TV is kind of a sham. So like. Look, if we have to, you know, kind of re-slosh re funds for reasonable causes, like, that's fine. The NFL's willing to do it. It's fine. Like, I sometimes I feel like the people on the extremes of these things, um, like the Colin Kaepernick's and, and so on, are not realistic in the fact that, like, you're still existing in the reality of, like, a, you know, of a capitalist bubble, you know, like, in the sphere of capitalism, and you're dealing with other people's money, you have to be aware of, like, how you're spending it, how you're reflecting on your employer, like, those are things you have to take into account, you're not just, like, living in a, on a college campus, where 
you know, everything is your ideal of the world. And I think Jenkins gets that. And my guess is some of his peers don't appreciate that. Did, uh, um, did you guys see my, uh, the thing I did with Brandon Marshall yesterday? Yes. And my Wentz boner? Oh, man. I made that meet. Well. Oh, yeah, I did see that, Russ. That was great. Oh, so Kyle, um, are you ready to drink? Yesterday, uh, we were doing the Sims and Lifko pick show, and Brandon Marshall uh, was in Bleacher Report. Uh, He's trying to do some some content with us down the line, but him and Sims are, like, really good friends. And he just kind of came on set during the show, and so we just – we were all talking all that, and uh, I asked him. I was like, "Look, I've I've read all these quotes from people after guys play the Eagles about how great Carson Wentz is. You know, last game Kyle Long said or Akeem Hicks said, you know, from last year to this year, his jo- his jump is insane. Um, and Marshall compared him to a combination of Brett Favre and Cam Newton, and." Oof. And, and I was, and then my, I was like, I have such a Wentz boner. But yeah, check out, check out the tweet, Kyle. Put it as content on your website. But it's just awesome that every time he plays somebody, an opponent from the other team is like, he's incredible. Like D Ford was like, we call him Baby Ben Roethlisberger, a pass rusher to the Chiefs. Like every week, there's been a good quote. And you know how much I love quotes from the other team. And you get the sense that people. Um, like there's not, you know, is any sort of ill will towards him. No, he's such a nice guy. It's like, like even the opponents seem to like respect the hell out of him because he's just like a good dude. I'm waiting for the article about how he's going to be such an impact in free agency. Like I'm telling you, like a lot of guys we already saw with Alshon and Garrett and Chris Long, they saw what he's capable of and went, I want to play on that team. People want to get a ring, and when you want to get a ring, you know if you're if you're trying to make the team, they're going to be coming to us. And I'm telling you, man, it's it's a huge factor for free agency when you have a guy like that. Agreed. Is that you, Russ? Nope. Okay. What? Sure isn't. We got we got a yawning complaint. I just fucking yawned. What are you going to do about it? No, I don't. Uh oh. <laughs> We got a lot. Oh, we got two. Oh no, wait, that wasn't Adam. That was that was Scott. Yeah, when everyone's like, someone yawns, I'm like, guys, it's me. I'm not even kidding. Halfway through my point, I go, so. Mm. See, like that one wasn't real. I just faked it. But that's what I do sounded, all the time. I'm the really, yawner. I'm the when one guy swore it was Russ. Uh, like, no, it's Russ. I, well, didn't you someone guys say like, go no, to it's sleep Russ. at like nine with your children? I'm up until like twelve thirty watching Thursday night football. That's what happens. Or sitting up watching the Sixers game last night. Yeah, or the Sixers game. Russ, are you still upset that J.J. Redick doesn't get his feet set before shooting I want to be really clear about this. I have a a few things. Unlike Kyle, I'm not not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. Uh, All right, that's an – hold on. That's an unfair – I think, like, I'm uh on a weekly basis here admitting that I'm wrong over the last Uh two months. LeGarrette Blunt, so on. Go ahead. The one time, multiple um, multiple times under there was armor. also there was also a hedge there too. I'm not I'm not I'm not totally sold on Ligaria. Okay, under armor. So I I made going. the point that I just personally do not enjoy the fact that JJ is never set on threes. But then I said I need to go back and watch how he played with the Clippers because the Clippers played an entirely different system. Whatever. 
So I went back last night, and I sat through three videos. I sat through the 201 made three-pointers by J.J. Redick last season. Because I said... I love that we're I, so far in your head. Because No, because I said I would do it. I, I needed to make sure that I was well-educated on the matter. I would say that for every three... Every eight three-pointers that J.J. Redick made last year with the Clippers, six were fading to his right. Is this official? One, what, no, it's, it's give or take. One was with his feet set, and one was a, a three that he would step into. So, yeah, like, he, it's, it's just the way he plays. Yes. And it, it well, is. It but, is. But it doesn't make it any less infuriating to me. Oh, when my I'm God. Watching it, I, <laughs> Why is it this infuriating? I'm just saying because when he's off, it looks bad. Like we, I was saying this before we started recording, but like the difference between JJ and Cove to me is when Covington takes a three, he's set and he looks like uh, like he shoots with confidence. I feel better about his shot. Any player in the NBA, I think we would probably feel better about having their 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 feet set, their shoulders squared to the to the net, right? And with with Covington, you know, when he misses, he misses bad. Like, he airballed one last night. It was it was atrocious. But it looked like a good look. When he has got an open look, it's a good look. J.J. I, By like, the way, I get, you said it's for the show. Like when he, he misses, it doesn't look that bad. He hit the side of the backboard the other night. And what I'm saying now is, like. <laughs> like, when he misses, I, it looks bad. When Redick misses, he just planks it, it off the, it the can, back iron. But, like, well, J.J.'s not going to hit the top of the backboard. Right, but like when he's missing and he's off, ever. all I want to see him do, like on a night where he goes one for four, or a night that he goes like two for seven, is just get his feet set once in the corner for for a, a three. That's all I want to see, and I get it. Like I'm off. I was wrong on the take, and I I admit it. I just don't like. I don't like that he looks. I I just don't like the look, and I get that that's how he's made his career, and that's great. I just don't like it. Yeah, I mean that's why they got him to come off screens and shoot like that. Like that's what I he mean, does. In he's fairness, not that, I also he's don't not like the big. fact that he's Ben Simmons shoots with his left hand when he clearly isn't left-handed, but he's made fair. a career to this point doing it. That's reasonable. There's been video. There was video of him the other night shooting uh, free throws free before throws the with game both with hands, his right yep. hand. I think he's been. I think he's his, been doing that in practice. So me his and, right and Maurice so were talking about this at work, and Maurice firmly believes that he's a right-handed free throw shooter, and he needs to be. And yep. yeah, that video came out. It does look so much more natural when he shoots right. The whole left, thing, he looks like he's pushing. The whole thing is like his dad was the one who told him he needs to shoot with his left hand. He didn't like just Don't pick up a basketball me as a hate child. Simmons is dad. No, I'm not trying. Yeah, no, but seriously, I'm like that. That's been dad. that's been ooh, that's been like the whole thing, is that his dad was the one who taught who like told him you need to shoot left handed. I guess presumably because left handed players are a bit more of a rarity in in the league but like he does everything else right-handed he signed his contract right-handed he finishes at the rim right-handed when he's within the free throw line as as Maurice he, he puts said, it up right-handed when Ben Simmons it's like freaking out down to like 1 seconds in the shot clock he puts up a right-handed floater but exactly. I'll say this when people do like when with Markel Fultz we go who taught Markel Fultz this new shooting motion when you go, who taught Ben Simmons to shoot left? And you go, his dad. Everyone goes, oh, shit. Well, you're not going to say no to your dad, so I get it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I just can't handle another star rookie uh, with a new developing shot. We, we can't change everybody's shot. Well, the thing is that he's got such a non-existent jump shot, as is, that it's not going to screw him up. 
Like, Markel had a natural-looking shot in college. It was a good shot. It, it was obviously, like, the biggest reason that they drafted him was his, his ability to create his own shot. The fact that, like, his form changed, presumably also because of this injury or, or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a working shot and then to change it. In Ben's case, there is no shot to work with. The other thing, and I said this early in the season, Ben's shot when he's taking it, you know, elbow in, is he, he rotates his body almost as if he's, like, trying to overcompensate with his left hand. You know what I mean? Like, anytime he takes, it, again, like that idea of, like, a set shot, as he's coming across the lane, like, he over-rotates to his right as if, like, he wants to make sure that his arm is perfectly lined up because he knows that the arm slot that he's releasing from isn't naturally squared up. So, Russ, how did you take the Celtics loss? Because you were very dismayed after the Cavs game. So now I, that we've played the top two teams in the East, um, what, what are your thoughts? Well, let me back. So the, the Cleveland game, the reason I was so dismayed is I like to think of myself as, as a bit of a realist in in games, and I try not to set unrealistic expectations. And I got sucked into that Cavaliers game. I got sucked into the line. And that was, I think, why I was so upset. This game, I just hate Boston. Like, lose to the Knicks, I don't care. Lose to literally any other team in the league, and I don't care as much as I do against Boston. I just hate Boston. I don't like their fans. I don't like their teams. I just, I hate the imagery. I just don't like them. And yeah, so, what did you think of the Sixers after the game? I mean, it, you're without Embiid. Right. I think the game is like obviously the game is totally different if you have Joel. But I do Wait. think like there is a concerning aspect to this: a guy who played well but hasn't really played well this season, but all of a sudden Joel's not in, and now he plays like we remember him playing was Dario. Dario last night had led the team with 18 points. I think he had 10 rebounds, five assists, or something like that. He played probably his best game of the season or top two game of the season. And where was he making a lot of his shots? Where was he operating in the paint? And it's a place that he doesn't usually get to explore all that much because you should have Joel down on the block. Um, I, I don't know like that. I was excited. I was, I was glad to see that Dario looked more comfortable last night. He was drawing fouls. Like he was kind of playing the Embiid role of getting guys into foul trouble. But you know, I I'm still a little bit worried and I like Dario, but, I think long-term, I don't know what his role on this team is because he, he very clearly in the beginning of the season showed that he was not a, a fluid player coming off the bench. He seems to play better when he starts games. But when you've got Ben, like there, there are certain redundant qualities that those two players have. And when you know his spot on the floor, a, a spot that in the Croatian national team and when he played for Effies in uh, Turkey was in the paint, like... There, this is like where we get into like the Venn diagram of sorts of where a lot of these guys have overlapping skills. I, I hope that this game kind of propels Dario to find some kind of shooting stroke and a little bit more confidence because at this point, like Dario has always been a very confident, some have called him an arrogant player, and that swagger I think has been missing a lot of this year. If you start to get a Dario back like his rookie season, uh, like the second half of the rookie season, then this team becomes you know a, a next-level group. Yeah, so I look at this team and I go, man, okay, so they still have an issue defending point guards, and a lot of people are going to have an issue defending Kyrie. Um, Amir is an okay backup to Embiid, but he's definitely not the solution. 
Uh, and our second team, it's such a drop-off when Simmons and Embiid are not on the floor. I thought yesterday, though, uh, with the Celtics game, that was the best third quarter that I think I've seen the Sixers play. Like, third quarter, I thought, has been an issue for them all year. And yesterday to come out, and with Redick to come out as hot as he did, and Sharich was all over the place. That Imagine if he really got his feet good, set. Oh, shit, who knows? Uh, but they, the third quarter, though, I thought in Boston, they came out like that. It was it was impressive to me, even though it kind of evaporated the fourth. Eventually, they just don't have shots. And, you know, look, Covington was not going to keep up the pace that he set in the beginning of the year. That was just... That I think that may have been an outlier with what he was hitting, but um, you know you don't have you don't have TJ, you don't have a lot of the backups, but the Sixers are a good team, and obviously we love where they're going, but the the class of the class is clearly ahead of them. There's there's like one last point I uh, make before I go is you Why can you see how much I have to go to work. Um, I have to go too, but you just yeah, leave. none of us are leaving. Sorry guys. Um, <laughs> TJ, TJ being out last night kind of shows that like yeah, TJ's weird, man. I really like him. He's improved his outside shot, but it's it's a little bit troubling to me. I guess this is going to be when Fultz comes back that that'll be good. But like, it's a little bit worrisome to me that the team looks lost as a second unit when they don't have TJ. Um, Bayless last night. Bayless is such a frustrating player because when he's on, he's on, and when he's off, he's he's atrocious. He commits but some of the worst just turnovers value that by on shots. the team. Sometimes no, 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 I feel like you just go on off by shots. No, 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 but I'm saying like when he's making shots, he's also making good passes. When like JJ does not do the same thing. JJ Is can he? still be a decent listen cuz JJ can be a pretty decent playmaker even if his shots not falling. He brings good like I think he's a, a good floor general for the team like especially especially if Ben is off. But when Bayless is not making shots, he is not making plays for his teammates either. Like I he he to me has like that shooter's mentality of like he's going to shoot his way out of it. And doesn't get players as involved as when he's as when he's hot. That's just that's my thought on it. He makes some really inexcusable turnovers. He did it, I think, in the third quarter last night, and even in the fourth quarter, there were a couple times that either he didn't seem to have his head in the game. Uh, he wasn't in best position to receive a pass. I think there was one or two that he had he had an issue with Simmons on like the left side of the court, where I think it was Simmons was passing it to him, and they had a miscommunication on a cut or something like that, and Ben kind of gave it to him. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird that that the team relies so much on TJ. I like him. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's like the core of a championship team kind of guy. Well, but it's it it is a little bit troubling to me that with him missing, Bayless didn't step up into that role in in the way that I would kind of expect a, a vet to do it. But it, it's going to be it's, okay. it's going to be interesting when Fultz comes back to see what happens to the rotation because I, there, like there's I think. To both of your points about Sarich and um, Emma Connell, I think there's a narrative with both guys, and I'm not sure either are, are totally correct, or maybe they are. But like, there's a narrative with McConnell. like, well, he's scrappy, he tries hard, but he's not that good. I actually think he's pretty good. Like, not a starting point guard on a good team, but a potentially good backup, maybe even on a good team. Like, he he but does McConnell? a lot of things out there. What he lacks in – what's that? You said you're talking about McConnell, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Yeah, but it's like there's people who are like, well, he tries hard, you know, he's a love him with McConnell, but he's really not that good. And yeah, like, yes, he's not as athletic as some other guys, and he's lacking in certain physical abilities, and he doesn't have a great shot. Like, it's tough for a, a small white guard to make it 
if you can't shoot and you're not like dynamite at getting to the hoop. Like you can't really pick out one discernible skill. Is the whiteness it, the part that makes it hard? What? I don't know why no. I threw that in there. Well, because like oh, I just, the oh, I just take a shot. I'm just kidding. I'm not taking a shot. Wait, did Russ but, really leave and not say anything about the Eagles? Probably. I have I, I have Here, to go right now. Okay, well then talk about it. Eagles but, guys. Game. Hold on, but he has to do this before he goes, Kyle. Oh yeah, worldwide genocide. Eagles twenty four, Seattle twenty one. Last second field goal by Jake Elliott. And there it is. All right, Kyle. So you're talking about how white guys don't do well in the NBA because they're white. Right. Yeah, that was it. So <laughs> I feel like like there's a knock on McConnell. Yeah, but, but honestly, part of the knock does have something to do with his white because people look at him like, oh, the scrappy white guy. Like that's that's the way he's viewed. But he, he's really like it's yes, he's scrappy and he brings a ton of energy and he brings a lot of those intangibles that analytics guys always struggle to quant- quantify. But when you when you watch him out there, like he tracks down loose balls better than anybody on the court, which I get is a scrappy quality. But it's also a quality that some teams do track like Villanova, like has I know I'm always good to Nova, but like for years now, they've tracked those stats like amongst their team and they value them as is like part of their defensive system and part of their plus minus. He's an he's a excellent defender. Like he does a lot of little things. The more you watch him, he does those things that become hard to quantify. And I know going up against more talented players and in the face of more athletic players, like over time, those little things aren't going to win out. But I think he has like a legitimate role on a good team. And for now, it'll be interesting to see, you know, to kind of see what happens once Fultz comes back and if he's on the second unit and then you have Bayless and McConnell sort of fighting for the same sort of minutes. And like Bayless is probably more well-rounded, a little bit more experienced, but McCon- you know, if you have Fultz and Simmons, to me, like McConnell brings something and brings in much-needed energy off the bench and does a lot of little things and can defend well. Um, like you know, you just feel like he's one of those guys. Like every time you look up, good things are happening when he's out there, and you really can't quantify that. And I, I, I like, I'm hopeful that they find a role for him going forward because. I there's I do think there's place in the league for guys like that on good teams. You can't have a team made up of TJ McConnell's, but you can have one or two of them on the team. And like similarly, the Dario thing, Russ mentioned he's been better starting, and he has. You know, he's also playing with one of the best starting units in the league. Like the Sixers plus minus is a starting unit is what like plus nineteen it, per game. Like it's something absurd. They're they're one of they're among the top five, maybe in the top three in the league. Tell you, man, always they're, bet Sixers first quarter when they're healthy. They kick the shit out of people in the first quarter. Yeah, they're dominant. Like they're 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 starting five, and this is before Fultz has even yeah, you know hit the court Cleveland, and worked. This is against Golden State, everybody. Right, and this is before your number one draft pick has worked his way into the starting rotation. That's like if awesome. he's even a little bit of what people think he is, you know, their their top five is going to be the best in the league in a couple of years. But, you know, so Sar- of course Sarge looks better playing with that group. So I don't know if the thing that, well, Sarge can't come off the bench because, well, yes, of course he looks better. I also think there was some notion to the fact that he played a ton of international ball the last two years, probably played more games over the last, you know, three, uh, 14 months than he ever has in his life. He was a very busy summer. He came off like an international tournament or whatever it was right before training camp. They gave him days off in training camp. So I think he was working to get his legs back under him to start the season. So I think there's something to that, too. I agree with Russ, though, that him and Embiid kind of fight for that paint space. And, you know, Sharch can shoot the three, but, you know, when he's 
kind of just hovering around the perimeter, like that's that's not his game. He needs to be inside, outside, and he needs to be the the banger down low who can also step outside and make a shot rather than the guy around the perimeter. So he needs to be, I think, a good bench player to have a role on the Sixers going forward. Um, and I don't, I'm not sure if we know that he can't be yet. The Sixers second unit still needs some, you know, a lot of work and some upgrades and and you know. So we'll see if if that you know. If that's something he could do, he's also in his second year, so he's exactly. going to be inconsistent. Yeah, plenty of time to develop. Um, how do you feel about Sunday night? Sunday night, all of America's eyes will be on us. People saying that we've had a weak schedule, and now we're going into Seattle, which people apparently think is going to be really hard. What do you think? How do you think it goes? I'm looking at the line right now. Do you know the line? Five and a half. Has it moved at all? The movement uh, is what concerns me. I think it started it's three and a half to five. It it went up from three and a half to five and a half according yeah. to Fantasy Labs. Yeah, I mean, I like the Eagles. We, we you know, we've talked about still sixty seven percent of the action on the Eagles at five and a half or total up to five and a half. That's that take that as a good sign. Um, you know, I like we've talked about they're best, just better than the Seahawks. But to me, going to Seattle is just always. It's a tough game. They're going west. They got two games out west. They're probably I don't think they're looking forward to the Rams game, but you know the bigger one is the following week. Even though Seattle and Sunday night football seems as huge as it gets. So I yeah, I think they win. I have no idea. Like nothing would surprise me at this point. They could come out and win thirty five to ten and I'd be like, Yep, that's about what we expected. Or they can come out and lose a close game and I wouldn't be I'd be like, Okay, well, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough place to play, regardless of how, you know, depleted the Seahawks are. Yeah, I, I like. Mean, the, I, I think, think they the win. Eagles could dominate this game, and Russell Wilson could still do things to swing it into his direction. Uh, the Eagles are literally the worst matchup for the Seahawks. Like it's the worst matchup because the Eagles are a team that could run the ball uh, and 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 actually slow like beat up that. Uh, a smaller defense of Seattle and the Eagles passing offense could take advantage of all the injuries in the secondary. And then defensively, the Eagles have the perfect thing to beat Russell Wilson. You need to be able to get pressure with your front four, have speed at linebacker and then a disciplined secondary. And that's exactly what the Eagles have. The Eagles could win this game by 25 points. Like they really could, or could they get caught up in the moment? Like I asked Marshall yesterday, I said, look, you got, him and Sims were both on that Denver Broncos team, if you remember, that started off 6-0 and with Kyle Orton, hit a bye week, and then all the wheels fell off. And I asked, I, you know, what could happen for the Eagles to just start losing momentum? He was like, guy, he's like, dude, you guys have such a swagger right now that it doesn't just end, and you have Carson Wentz, who's not going to let it end. You know, they had Kyle Orton. When you have a guy at quarterback that's that good, it doesn't stop. So, um, I'm I'm really not worried about the Eagles, whether they're playing from behind or they're playing at ahead, losing focus. Like they just have that focus right now. But I'm excited for if they do go out there and beat the crap out of the Seahawks on a national stage. It's just funny to me how the narrative changes because they go like. Kyle, I'm guaranteeing you that even if the Eagles go in there and beat them, they're going to go, yeah, but they weren't that hurt. Wait until the Rams next week. Like, I'm not I'm not about the winning to prove people wrong. 
It's just tiring. But, you know, you want to see them go in on Sunday night. Pete Carroll's really good in primetime games. They just they find a way to keep it close. Like the betting trends, they're always looking good on, on primetime. It's a little crazy. Um, who do the Vikings play? Vikings play at Atlanta. So this, like, to two me... Huge, on, two huge games for the playoffs. Vikings play Atlanta, and New Orleans plays Carolina this weekend. Yep, yep. And, I, you know, I've concluded now that the Rams beating... Um, the Rams the beating the Saints was a good thing last week. It was, now you, of course. Now you have two teams. The Eagles have two games on. Yes. Uh, and the Vikings are in a tough spot this week. So, like... This is a huge. I know rooting for the Falcons will be like is it, they're going to start chipping their way in the contention, but they're not. They're not battling Eagles. I'm not allowed to root for the Falcons. Yeah, because just, I picked I picked the Vikings as one of my big bets this week. They're going to be a left go lock. Okay. Well, that's good. Underdogs. I actually feel much better about them winning uh, losing Yo, now. Fuck you. Uh, no, they're three point underdogs in Atlanta, and I'm like Minnesota's clearly the better team, but okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a push line. Atlanta's been playing well lately. Devontae Freeman's coming back, I believe, right? Yeah. Um, I just think it's that Minnesota defense. They're not going to do shit. I agree. I think they're like five points worse on the – no, worse is probably the wrong word, but they're five points less good on the road, the Vikings D, which is probably a trend around the NFL. But, um, yeah, like to me, that that's a huge game because if they lose, now you have the Eagles. Let's assume they win. Um, two games up on the three closest teams, and then you it puts sort of the Falcons, it puts the Falcons, Panthers, Vikings, Rams, and Saints all in this sort of morass battling for that second buy spot. So it's like, all right, we're just gonna fly above the clouds here, like let those yeah. let those teams do whatever, and, and like I want to have two games on everybody I rather agree. than Dude, putting I any one love, team away. I would love if the Rams are looking ahead at the Eagles. And they're playing the Cardinals this weekend. I mean, that's that's a true trap game. When you are when you are looking ahead at home field advantage and you have a divisional rival playing, that could be a nice little trap game. I'd love to see that happen. That would be and, even sweeter. And the divisional rival seems to be getting its legs under it a little bit with a yeah. Blake, look, Blake Gabbard is is better than Blake Bortles. Blake Gabbard's not bad. And I just the Rams so he are might one be of those better teams. Than Carson Palmer at this point. Yeah. Oh, he definitely is. But we're we're at a time though where Sean McVay's offense he just dials it up every week. So I just never think that they're going to have a slow game on that side of the ball. You know, Cooper Cup scares me. First of all, easily like are we agreeing easiest easily the best name in the NFL? No, I would disagree. You just oh. have to give me a minute. There's a lot of names that are great. Cooper Cup. What do you I'm like waiting. so much? The alliteration? Cooper Cup? Dude, it's great. Yeah, I, I love a little alliteration. But it's two different letters. You get the C and the K. Cup with K-U-P-P. Cooper? Oh, it's a great name. It's a great, like, I mean, it sounds like something you would battle it's for in Mario than, Kart. It's not I even better that. than LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt's Blunt? a good name. Yeah, Blunt is a good running back's name. No, I'm not going to debate that. I'm not going to debate that. I think it has not served him well. I think that run we saw in the open field last week is the run we've been talking about on this podcast for like 20 weeks. The he's actually better in space than he is trucking guys over. Like he trucks guys for as well as he trucks guys over. You know, he's not he's not the bus. He's 
He's like that. He gets. He's impossible to bring down when he has momentum with him. That's yeah, when the you, thing. That's when really you impressive. hit the blunt, you're dazed and confused. There you go. I just like the Cooper Cup name, but he has a terrific, like terrific rapport with uh, Jarrett Goff. Like I'm talking like Rogers Nelson level. I'm talking big, like Romo Witten level. So I literally just saw on Twitter like two seconds ago. Uh, their wide receiver, Robert Woods, is expected to be out for two more weeks. Nice. So that's out for the Eagles game, which is huge because yes. Woods, I believe, is their best all-around receiver. Yes, totally. Uh, Sammy's their best deep threat. Cooper Cup is a very reliable target, but Woods is their best receiver. It's the reason they paid him all that money and people scoffed at it this offseason, but he's a very good receiver. But he's also kind of a home he's also kind of a home run hitter. Like if you're It's unbelievable to me the wide receivers that Buffalo has let go. <laughs> they had Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, and Chris Hogan and let all of them go. Think about that shit, bro. Like what the fuck? Well, are you they can't doing have three guys just like running fifty yard passes right, right. or so, so trying to take slants to the house. Jordan Matthews and Kelvin. Yeah, let's fair. get really slow and big. Like it's whoever's making the Doug Whaley is just one of the worst GMs ever for Buffalo. And that's why he's that's why he got fired. Yeah, I never thought about it like that, but that's a lot of talent. That's a lot of speed oh, and talent. The amount of talent that Buffalo has lost and then like you factor in like the Darbies and you factor in like <laughs> like who they've drafted. Ugh. Doug Whaley, I'll say, so I'll never forget this. So Sims is obviously really good friends with Kyle Shanahan. And Kyle, before he got the San Francisco job two years ago, went up and interviewed in Buffalo. And he's in a meeting, and they're there with the owners, and the owners and the GM, who at the time was Doug Whaley, Doug Whaley was asking Kyle to break down guys on the team on the roster and give his two cents. So he'd ask about the wide receivers, and he'd ask about the cornerbacks, and he never asked about EJ Manuel. This is when EJ was the starter. And Doug Whaley drafted E.J. Manuel in the first round. And the owners are sitting there, the Pakulas, and they go, wait, what do you think about E.J. Manuel? And Doug Whaley like kind of put his head down. And Kyle was like, he's not a starting quarterback in this league. I don't know why you guys have him as your starter. It's ridiculous. Because that's, that's why Kyle didn't get a job for a long time. is because it's like, he doesn't hold shit back, and he's... That's why everyone said he's got, like, a big ego, because he just tells you how it is. I respect the fuck out of it. Because if you tell them that E.J. Manuel's good, you're going to have to coach him. And Kyle was like, I'm not coaching E.J. Manuel. Like, he said that. And it was just funny, because it was... That's some of the GMs in this league. I try to explain to people, not everybody is trying to win the Super Bowl. Most of the people in the NFL are trying to keep their jobs. And it's it's those kind of stories where you learn a lot about which teams are trying to win the Super Bowl. The Eagles are trying to win a Super Bowl right now, and it's fucking glorious. Yeah, and I think part of, uh, part of that, in, at least in terms of the GM, is like Roseman has a little bit... Steve Jobs Jr. Of, yeah, of a leash to, to kind of tinker. But it's hard not to it's hard not to look at Roseman and as much as like as hard as everyone's kind of been on him over the years, like he, he has pressed a lot of the right buttons over the last fourteen oh, months. Like it is hilarious. you know, some there's a little bit of luck there. I mean there's the Bradford trade. I mean there's definitely a little bit of luck, but you know, you even still the pull that shit off. 
Oh no, I know. Even the unheralded signings and these, you know, the the you know, you know, like something like the Ajayi move. Even if it turns out he's not a feature back. I mean, he again, like him and Blunt have already established their worth. They were low-cost guys and they've both had big moments already and I'm almost certain that one of those two guys and I feel like it's going to be Ajayi, is going to have a huge a huge playoff play. That we're going to remember. Hey, and I'll say this. I just gonna, realized this. Be worth I am it. super excited they both fumbled in the Chicago game. Super excited. Yeah. If you could suffer a fumble in a game in which you win 31-3, to it's going to be on their minds for the rest of the year. And I'm glad it happened during a game that they won by 28 points. Because, you know, it's good, it's good to get fumbles out against meaningless teams. Because now they're going to be so cognizant of it for the rest of the year. I, for this game, I picked uh, against the Eagles, as I have all year. Uh, That is my role as the mush. I'm going to say this, though. My official prediction, like what I think, is I, I actually think the Eagles are going to win big. I do think it's going to happen. But I think Russell's going to come back and, like, score some at the end and make it look closer. But I think... I think the Eagles win by like ten. Yeah, I'll go even bigger. I'm gonna go thirty-seven. Damn. Yeah, I need a score from you. Thirty-seven though. I I need a score from you. All right. Well, hold on. What's your ending? Well, I got to go with the weird score. I always factor in the that my thing is factoring the Doug Peterson weird decision that it leads to an improbable score. Um, and I now I do it out of love. Um, 37. Mine's 31, I don't have the number. Yeah. Uh, 37. Damn. So we're both picking the Eagles to score in the thirties. 23. When's the last 37, time you thought you'd say that about a Sunday night game in Seattle? Oh yeah. They're going to put up 30 plus. That's a big number in Seattle. It is. I'm worried. I'm worried that the Eagles are going to have a Cowboys first half, um, where they it's like unexpectedly slow. But I don't know. I just feel like they're going to come out like a ball of fire. Yeah, I think so too. They're not coming off a bye this week. Like right. the cat, there was a lot going on in the Cowboys there game. Was a they're, lot. Right. They're not coming off a bye. I, th- I think they're going to be plenty amped up. I don't, regardless of how good the Seahawks are, this is one of those games that you circle on the schedule from day one. Uh, this you... is also what I want people to realize. This is a MVP game for Carson Wentz. If mm-hmm. Carson Wentz outduels Russell Wilson on Sunday Night Football and cl- and goes to eleven and one, this is a game in which the official. Carson Wentz MVP train begins because I think that it's already like kind of picking up steam, but it's the, I call them like Heisman moments. You need to have certain games on certain stages to clinch it. Matt Ryan had a few last year, big time primetime games where he put up 300 plus Carson Wentz goes 300 plus multiple touchdowns. It's an MVP like clinching game. I think Tom Brady is still there, but if the Eagles keep going, this is one of those performances to lock up that hardware, which would be incredible. Mm-hmm. I agree. What are you doing? I agree. Right now? Are you if we were on the radio, Lauer? we'd be disagreeing. What's that? I'm I'm devouring Matt Lauer news, like devouring it. Ugh. I not not at the moment, but I like any nugget. I need it. 
you don't understand. I'm I'm not even like being joking or hyperbolic when I say I need to know what was in that envelope. Like that was those pictures are wild. Why is he on the side of the road handing a guy in a striped suit an an envelope? Like what is in there? Maybe it's his accountant. You know, this goes back to that whole like powerful thing. Like he is I mean, he he's exceedingly rich, right? I mean, yeah. he's been he's been in that role he's been obviously doing this been, for a long time. He hasn't been making 25 million for the whole time, but he's been making really good money for a long time and obscene money for several years now. He's filthy rich. He's he is a brand, you know, unto himself. Brand. All right, Kyle, I got to go. I'm sorry. Oh, you. you're killing me. I know, I know. I just looked up and I need to get to work by 8 today, so I'm in trouble. Oh my god, it's early. I know it's insane. How do you uh, how do you function? Who knows? Guys, everybody, it's been another fun week. Uh, tough loss for the Sixers, but a big game coming up for the Eagles. While you're watching, why don't you hit up Kyle at Crossing Broad, Russ at Julian Broad, Scott at Scott on Broad, or myself at Adam Lefko, and uh, we'll be happy to chit-chat with you guys. As always, thank you so much. Shout-out to Cozy Jewelers for being an awesome sponsor constantly. And uh, if you're going to pull a Matt Lauer... Stop. Don't be an asshole. That is your message for the week and the weekend. Kyle, love you. Russ, love you. Fans, you guys are the shit. We'll talk to you soon.